This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. I was preaching in a place not too long ago when the young man who was the preacher there came to me and he handed me a metal cross that was just about that tall. And he said, I want you to carry that cross in your pocket. And I did until I put it in a pocket, and I'm not sure where that pocket is today. But he said, when you see that cross, I want you to think about Jesus. Well, unfortunately for him, that's not what I thought about when I would see that little cross. It'd make me think about the preacher that gave it to me and why he gave it to me. But today we're going to be talking about when I see a cross, what do you think of today when you see a cross? Please stay tuned as we discuss that today. I'm Billy Lambert, and, and I want to welcome you today to getting to know your Bible, especially if this should be the first time that you've seen our telecast. We want you to stay tuned today as we discuss the cross of Christ. Now, we are offering a free Bible correspondence course today. We want you to have that course. We, we're going to pause long enough for you to learn more about the course and how you can receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. What do you think of when you see a cross? You know, when I see a hearse, I think of death. When I see a hospital, I think of sickness. When I see a bank, I think of money. When I see a jail, I think of lawbreakers. When, when I see a plane, I think of flying. When I see a farm, I think of animals. When I see a boat, I think of water. When I see a red truck, I think of fire. Well, what do you think of when you see a cross? When I see a cross, I think of sin. Because there would be no need for a cross if there was no sin. The Bible says that all people sin. There are no exemptions. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of God's glory. A person might deny that they have sinned, but the Bible says if we say that we have not sinned, well, then we have deceived ourselves. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 
through 10. So all of us are guilty of sin. And it's because of sin that Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. Hebrews 2 and verse 9 says, He tasted of death for every man. He did that by God's amazing grace. Jesus Christ came into this world and He died on that cross because there was sin. The worst thing known to man today is sin. Sin is worse than yellow fever, the disease that took the lives of many in days gone by. It is worse than polio, the crippling disease. It is worse than cancer, the disease that eats away at the body. This is the cancer of the soul. Sin is a very uh, uh, deceptive thing because it promises one thing and it delivers something else. Sin promises light, and in the place of light, it gives darkness. Sin promises silk. In the place of silk, it gives you a shroud. Sin promises you freedom, and in the place of that freedom, it gives you slavery. Sin promises you hope. In the place of hope, it gives you despair. Sin promises you happiness. But in the place of happiness, because of its deceptive nature, it gives you sorrow. Sin promises you peace, but rather than peace, it brings turmoil. And sin promises life, but in the place of life, sin brings death. And it promises you heaven, but sin brings hell. It's so deceptive. We can be deceived by sin. It is as treacherous as it can possibly be. Sin is like a viper that is filled with deadly poison that is ready to strike you and fill your soul with the venom of hell. Sin is like a vulture that eats on the rotten meat that you find along the highway. But sin is a terrible, terrible monster. It promises things that it cannot possibly ever deliver. And any person who does not believe that there is power in sin is deceived beyond belief, unbelief. And I want you to know that when I see a cross, I think of sin. He was wounded by our transgressions. Bruise for our iniquities, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6. Jesus Christ died on that cross because of sin. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. For he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus had done no wrong. He lived a perfect life. Hebrews 4 and verse 15 tells us that truth. But in spite of the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life, He became the sin bearer for the sins of all mankind. In John 1:29, John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Not just a few people's sins, but the sins of all mankind. And that tells me that when I look at the cross today, I see the sins, my sins, 
that put Jesus up on that cross. Oh, when I see the cross, I see sin. But when I think of the cross of Jesus Christ, I cannot help but think about the great love of God. In John 3, 16, the Bible reads, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, what marvelous love. God so loved the world that He was willing to give the gem of heaven, the royal gem of heaven, to save the whole human family. I read about a couple that were in a flood. They had had to get on top of their house on the roof because the flood continued to rise and a boat came along and they said, we can take one of you with us. And they said, we want to take the wife with us. And she said, I refuse to go and leave my husband behind. We've been together all of these years. I'm going to stay regardless of the outcome. You say, well, that's a lot of love to do that. That doesn't in any way begin to compare with the great love of God. And when I see a cross, I think of how much God in heaven truly loved me and how much He loves you. There are those that are watching right now who may not feel like anyone loves you. You need to understand that God loves you. Just suppose that there was a disease that was taking the lives of people throughout the world and doctors and scientists began to realize that there's something they can do if they can find the person with the right blood. They could use that blood to save the rest of the world. And suppose that person with that right blood is your son. Would you give your son and his life's blood to save the rest of this old world? That'd be a hard decision to make, wouldn't it? But that's exactly what God did. God saw that the world was infested with sin. And sin would cause people to be lost eternally. But He was willing to give the life's blood of His only begotten Son to save humanity. That's because God loves us. God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, being much more than justified by His blood. We're safe from wrath through Him. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that can save us from the wrath of God. And that's because God loved us. Let me tell you when He loved us. He loved us when we were not very lovable. He loved us when we really weren't interested in His love. But God loves all of us. God loves you. And He's interested in your salvation. You know, the Bible says in... John 15 and 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. How many people did God send Jesus to save the whole world? When, when Peter came to the house of Cornelius, Cornelius wanted to worship Peter, and, and of course he told him to stand up. He said, I'm just a man. And then in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, Peter said, I perceive of a truth that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us 
that we should be called the children of God. That's found in 1 John the third chapter and in verse 1. And Jesus Christ is the only one who is qualified to deal with the problem of sin. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We live in a pluralistic society today where people say that there are many options in, in, even in religion. But when it comes to saviors, when it comes to salvation, and when it comes to the one who can save you, there are not many saviors. There's one savior. And that one savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, John write, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But, it, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. My friends, when I see a cross, I think of God's love and how much God loves me and how much He loves you. But when I see a cross, I think of the church. It is the cross that made the church a reality. Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And you husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Listen to Paul in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 as he's addressing the elders of the Ephesian church. Take heed unto yourselves and all the flock, over the which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood. The church was purchased with the blood of Jesus. So when Jesus died on that cross, Jesus purchased the church. The church is not brick and mortar. The church is not a worshiping society. The church is not a glorified country club. The, the church is not to be a political machine. But the church is composed of redeemed saints. It is, it is composed of those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. That's found in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7. The church is His body, His spiritual body. He gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. And He is the Savior of the body, Ephesians 5 and verse 23. And so Jesus Christ died on that cross to make the church a reality. And the church is made up of people who have been redeemed by Jesus' blood. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says, Unto Him who loved us and washed us from our sins and His own blood. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, What are these and whence came they? And I said, Serve thou knowest. These are they that came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The church is made up of people who have been cleansed by Jesus' blood. And we're cleansed by Jesus' blood when as, as penitent confessing believers we are baptized into Christ. 
Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. When I, when I look at the cross, I can't help but think about the church made up of those that uh, redeemed by Jesus' blood. But when I see a cross, I also think of the gospel. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and following, where Paul is talking about the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received and wherein you stand, and by which you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ did what? Died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He arose again the third day according to the Scripture. Now let's think about those verses for just a moment. Think about them with me. He said, I preach the gospel to you. The word gospel literally means good news. And he said, I preach that good news to you. And, and you're saved by that good news that I preach to you. You're saved by the gospel. There's power in the gospel to save us. That's what Paul wrote about Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So to the Corinthians, Paul said, I preach the gospel to you. You're saved by that gospel. And he said, I preached unto you these facts, the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. But, but, but can I ask you a question? Think with me seriously now. How were those people saved by the gospel? It's written to the, the first Corinthians is written to the church in Corinth. Now, what did they do that is implied in Bible or stated emphatically in the Bible that they did to obey the gospel to be saved? Well, we'd have to go back to, their con act, to the book of Acts, to their conversion in Acts chapter 18. And in verse 8, the Bible says, Many of the Corinthians, that's the people to whom he writes the book of 1 Corinthians, many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Isn't that interesting? They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and they were baptized. Jesus said, He that believes is baptized, shall be saved. When I think of the cross, I can't help but think about the gospel of Christ. We wouldn't have the gospel, and we wouldn't have any good news without the cross of Jesus Christ. But further, I think, when I think about the cross, I think about the Lord's Supper. In Luke 22, verse 19, Jesus said, This do in remembrance of me. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper when he observed the last Passover feast before his death. And in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 26, we read, And they, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink you all of it. For this is my blood in the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. When Jesus instituted this supper, 
He, he, he took unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. Some people say grape juice today. And he used those elements in instituting the supper. And they represent to us today, the bread represents his body, the blood represents, the, the fruit of the vine represents his blood. And when we partake of those elements on the Lord's day, we do that to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. He instituted that for all time to come until, he said, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, until he comes again. The Lord's Supper is a looking back to the cross. The Lord's Supper is a looking within. Paul, writing about the supper in 1 Corinthians 11, 28, said, Let a man examine himself, and let him eat of this bread and drink of this cup. And the Lord's Supper is a looking forward, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26, till He comes again. So when I see a cross, I think of the Lord's Supper. But when I see a cross... I think of heaven. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, the writer says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into the holy place, having obtained e eternal redemption for us. The holy place is heaven. And Jesus shed his blood one time and open up the way into heaven for you and for me. Heaven is the reason for the cross. It's the reason for the cross. And it is the cross of Jesus Christ that leads us home. In John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the song is correct when, it's, when we sing the way of the cross leads home. When I see a cross, I think of heaven. And in my mind, I see Jesus hanging on that cross to make heaven a reality and a possibility for the whole human family. And Jesus is saying to us today, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Don't you want eternal rest? Revelation 14, 13 says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, henceforth saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Hebrews chapter 4 and 9 says, There remaineth therefore rest to the people of God. And that is an eternal rest on life's other side. I have a lot of desires for people that listen to me preach. I, I have a desire that you love Jesus. 
I have a desire that you love God with all your heart. My desire is that you would love the Bible, which is a, the Word of God, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. My, my desire is that God would give you all of the good choice things of life that He's capable of giving to you. But even beyond all of that, my desire for those who listen to the preaching of the gospel, whether it's me or some other man, is that people one day be able to go to heaven at last. When I think about heaven and what the cross did and as it relates to the ability to go into heaven, it absolutely is beyond my ability to describe it. I don't think we have the requisite data to, to explain all there is involved when we think about heaven. And there are lots of things about it I might be able to tell you today, but there's one thing I can tell you. That if you'll listen to Jesus, you'll never go wrong. If you'll listen to Jesus, you'll go to heaven one day. He's your Savior, friend. He's not just my Savior. He's your Savior, too. And it matters not who you are, where you are, what you've done. Jesus loves you. He loved you so much that He laid down His life for you. And Jesus wants you one day to go to heaven. I can't look at a cross without thinking about heaven. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you're not certain where it's located, why don't you call us? We'll help you locate it. And also right now, pick up the telephone. Call that for that free Bible course. It's a toll-free number. It's not going to cost you anything for the call. Just call and ask for the free Bible course. We'll need your name and address. And also, if you'd prefer, you can take the course online. Regardless of how you do it, please take this free Bible correspondence course. The name of this program is Getting to Know Your Bible. It will help you to do just that, to get to know the Bible better. I want to thank you for watching today. Uh, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you as my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God you can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.